Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. I saw that video this a uh, couple of weeks ago. And on the bottom it said that if we wanted to share that encouragement with the church and I sent in a request, you might not have recognized many of those people in that video because they're older than we used to see them. But Sandy Patty, Michael W. Smith, and a bunch of all of those that we know were in that video. And it just brings hope because the church is still alive. And today it is time for us as a church to stand up. And to be alive more than ever because the world is in a dark place and it needs to see a light. But I'm here to tell you that sometimes being the Christian that we need to be and standing up the way we need to stand up is not easy. It is many times against what we feel because we have a human nature and the flesh that we live in is sinful, but we have been born again, bought again, and we are owned by the Lord Jesus Christ because of what he did on that cross. And he asked us to do things in return, and that's to be holy, to live a set-apart life, to be different from the rest of the world. Today I'm going to be bringing a message entitled, Conversations with God. And we're going to be coming out of 1 Timothy, but I want to tell you a little bit about this book before we get into it. 1 Timothy was written sometime around A.D. 63 as Paul was writing back to a young man named Timothy. Timothy was saved under Paul's first mission and had traveled with him and Paul left Timothy in Ephesus. There was a lot going on in Ephesus and there needed to be a strong leader in Ephesus and that was Timothy. And I believe that Timothy is probably like most pastors today and most of you at times. It is easy to get a little discouraged with all that's going on. Do we as Christians, when we look at the news, do we make any difference? Yes, we make a difference. We are the light in this world and Timothy was being wrote back to to encourage him and to uplift him because Paul knew that he was not returning when he wanted to. Second Timothy was written to Timothy when Paul had been rearrested and his life was now fixing to go on trial for being a believer, being in the new Christian faith. We take 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy and Titus as known as the pastoral epistles. And they were written to encourage and increase in their work. Because at this time, hostility was increasing against the Christians. As the Christians were flourishing, they were beginning to form. The new church was forming. Hostility was coming against them. And the hostility was not only from the people around them, but from the government 
trying to say that they couldn't do what they were doing. And Timothy was this leader of this large church in Ephesus. And God works in mysterious ways, taking this young man and making him a pastor in this church of Ephesus, which is sitting right in the middle of the most center of pagan worship. Right in the middle of Ephesus was the temple of Artemis, was the, the goddess of the women and of fertility, and all different sorts of gods were being worshipped, and heresy was beginning to come into the church, and Timothy was writing Peter to, excuse me, Paul was writing to Timothy to encourage him, to give him motivation, to give him guidance. And that's where we find ourselves today. I know that you are probably like me and we're in need of guidance. In days like today, what do we do? I mean, things all around us are changing. Things that we thought maybe never would. We begin to see that there's a change in leadership. But what do we do? I tell you, the main thing we do is we do the same thing we were doing yesterday and the day before. Trusting in God. Your trust in God, you cannot go wrong. Look to God. You're looking to God for answers. You cannot go wrong. Pray to God. If you would take your Bibles this morning and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1. Once you've turned there, if you would please stand as we read from God's holy word. Paul writing to Timothy to encourage him. Beginning in verse 1, it says... First of all, the most important thing, then I urge that entreaties and prayers and petitions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator. Also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony given at the proper time. For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am telling the truth, I am not lying. As a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth, therefore I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. Father God, as I approach you this morning, Lord, I ask first and foremost that you would allow us to hear from you. That, Father, the Holy Spirit would speak to us. You would open our hearts and our ears. And, Father, that you would help me in the flesh to step aside. And that, Father, that you would anoint me now with power of Holy Spirit, Father, to proclaim your message. Father, that we may be equipped, Father, to live a holy life. Father God, I just pray everything in the precious in the most holy name of your son, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. I don't think I need to say this, but I want to say this, that I believe everyone in this room is man enough and Christian enough to not tune me out just yet. Because I know what I just read hit a lot of people in an open sore wound. Hit me when I was studying this. 
But I want us to take just a moment and listen to God's Word and Holy Spirit and ask that you listen to Him speaking to you and to not me. As we begin to look at this, a call to prayer, conversations with God, what is prayer? It says there at uh, verse 1, For all then I urge that entreaties and prayers and petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all people. Entreaties. What is that? It's an urgent request to meet a need. How many of you would say in America we have an urgent request before God right now? Amen. We have an urgent request that needs to be met. And this entreaty, when you look up how it is used in the New Testament, is not just an urgent request to meet a need, but it is exclusively addressed to God. And today, we're praying to no one other than God Almighty, the creator of all the universe, with our urgent request. He then says that prayer is another word, but this is an earnest request. Petitions to a deity. I believe all of us have earnest requests that is urgent that needs to go before the Lord. And petitions is a formal request. These requests that Paul was writing to Timothy and telling them to be praying for was not just some lackadaisical Lord, I stumped my toe and it hurts. Yes, those are important. But the church was beginning to have hostility grow more and more. The government was trying to come in more and more on them. They were beginning to arrest the Christians. They were persecuting them. Some were being martyred. So there was urgent, earnest, formal request to be lifted before God. But that point one there, for whom should we pray? This is the one that I'm going to be honest with you. And this is going to be out of English. But I or you don't like. I'm just going to be honest. Who are we to pray for? First of all, I don't have that much of a problem when it says all people. We believe that God's created all people. All people were created equally. Everyone needs to be prayed for. But where it really cuts down to the core is that next verse 2. For kings and all who are in authority. Let me just read. This is God's word. Let me read this one more time. For kings and all who are in authority. I know some of you are probably like me. And in my flesh... When I began to see what was playing out in our election, I was like, there ain't no way. Why am I going to pray for Biden? Why am I going to pray for Kamala Harris? Why am I going to pray for any of those that did whatever has happened? They're just horrible people, we might say. We don't agree with what they're wanting to do. First of all, I don't see in Scripture where it says, for all kings and all who are in authority who do what you want them to do. It doesn't say for all who are in authority that are believers of God. 
And we're going to cover this a little bit more because I want you to understand as we move through this that this is not my word, but it is God's word. And he's asking us, he's telling us through this scripture that the first concern of our lives need to be, number one, prayer to him with urgent, earnest, and formal request. But we also need to go to him on behalf of all people And for all of those who are in authority, Mike Johnson, the governor, our mayors, our leaders, our senators, our congressmen, our police officers, all these people who are in authority over us, we need to be praying for them. We need to be praying that they will have some peace. And just follow me out here. Just continue to follow through till we get to the end, please. We need to understand that those in authority have a lot of control. Yes, some of them might try to pass laws that cannot be made. Some of them we disagree with strongly. But that's nowhere mentioned in the Bible. It just says that we need to be praying for all people, kings and all who are in authority. Now here's the key, because whether you want to or not, we're seeing what God says, but if it helps you, it helps me to understand sometimes. Some people call this new generation the the why generation. So I want us to look at why should we pray? Would you agree? How many of you would like to know why should we pray, especially for these people who are not believers, for people who are in these authorities? Why should we pray? The Y generation. Waylon loves that. You tell him to do something, he wants to know, oh, why? I don't know. The further our generations go, the more they become. When I was with the fire department, when Chief Manning said, you squirt water over there, you turned a water hose on and you squirted it. You didn't ask why. But people want to know why, and it helps. And when we're not in an emergency situation, I believe for us to understand why God is saying this, then we need to understand the second point there. Why should we pray? The first part of why should we pray? For the benefit of our own lives. For our own benefit. Do you want your life to be better? Raise your hand. Amen. We need to be praying for our own benefit. It says there, verse 2, For all kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. Tranquil. I don't know about you. This life is busy enough, but we can lead tranquil lives free from disturbance, calm and quiet, free from noise and uproar. The first thing we need to be praying for all people is so that we can have a tranquil and a quiet life. But you know, not only is it for the benefit of our own lives that we can do these things, but how is it beneficial? You see, I like these how and these whys. That helps me understand First of all, it removes our anxiety. How many of you, you can show your hand or not if you want to, I'm going to show you my, have anxiety with what's going on in our nation today. Amen? We have anxiety. What does Proverbs 4, verses 6 and 7 tell us? It says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God, And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When we take 
and remove ourselves and we begin praying to God the Father, it's going to remove our anxiety. I believe it's going to refocus us and we're going to be able to look at Him. And when we're focused on God, it tells us right there that the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There's nothing more than I need right now and that I want is for God's peace. Not for me, but for everyone. I want God's peace. I want his comprehension and all. I want him to guard my heart. But not only is it just because it removes anxiety, but also for our own benefit because it renews our mind. Romans 12, 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Renew our mind. Turn your TV on today. Turn your radio on in the car today. Get your phone out. Get your iPad out. Get any form of media or connection to the outside world. And you'll want to go dig you a hole and crawl straight in it and cover up. This world is so against God in America right now. Yes, there are many believers, don't get me wrong there. But when we look at the direction that the nation is trying to go and all of the things that fills our mind, we need to renew our mind because what's trying to infiltrate our minds is not of God's word. We need to turn to him in prayer and in his word so that we can be transformed. Because if you continue watching and that's all you do, it will change the way you think. It will change who you are. You will become a very unhappy, a very angry, and a very despondent person. But if we will allow through prayer our minds to be renewed on the Savior of the world... We can be transformed and we'll be understand what it is that God wants. I had to ask God even now as we look at this that my mind be transformed from what I want to what he wants. Transform me so that I can understand what is good. You see praying turns our thoughts from us to God and it teaches us to be dependent on him and not us. People who are dependent upon the government, they're in a lot more uproar than we are. People who are dependent on other people to do everything, God is the one that we need to be dependent on. When I look at myself, as I began earlier, can I really trust myself? Do I make any difference in this world? You know what the flesh says? You know what Satan says? The same thing he says to me, he says to you, no, you're just a little peon. There's many more people in this world and they believe different than you do. You know, life would be a lot easier if you would just conform over. Just get along. Just be happy. But that's not focusing on God. Sometimes God tells us that we need to get along. 
Sometimes God says it's time to stand up and fight. But what's important is that we renew our minds and we do that through God's word. And what better way than conversations with God. We should pray for our own benefit, for our anxiety to renew our minds. And also, get this one, it helps provide for us. Did you know that praying for all people, including kings and all those who are in authority, help to provide for us? Let's look at the Old Testament. Jeremiah 29, 7. It says, Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to them, excuse me, pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will have welfare. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. As born again believers, we live in this world as aliens. This is not our home. It's only a temporary place. You might could say that we're in exile. It feels at times as believers that we're in exile, even though we're in America with all of our freedoms. But he was even telling in the Old Testament time that these people that have been snatched away from their home, carried off to some foreign pagan land, and are being abused and put in there. He said, pray for the welfare of that city. How easy it would be that God just bring all condemnation down on where they were exiled. How easy it would be to just God, would you bring all condemnation down? Why though do we need to pray for the welfare of the city? Why do we need to pray for the welfare of our government? Because in it we will have welfare. You know, if there stays uproar in America... You and I both will continue to live a life in uproar. We will continue to live a life of discord. We will continue to live a life of all of this negative. Can it really change? Yes, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. But it is our responsibility as believers to be holy ones, set apart, different. We need to be praying for the welfare of America because we live in America and what happens in America directly affects us. So regardless of anything else, we need to be praying for our own benefit. But there's a second reason. And I believe this one outweighs them all of why we should pray for all people and all who are in kings and who are in authority. Look in your Bible at verse 3. 1 Timothy 2 verse 3 says, This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Praying for all people pleases God. Might not please all people. It might not please me. But the way I see it, who cares about me? I care about what pleases God and nothing more. It pleases God when we pray for all people. It sets us apart. It makes us different. Why does it please God? What do we need to be praying? Look at verse 4. It says, Who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator. Also between God and man, the man Christ 
Jesus, God wants all men to be saved. Not politically correct. Yes, I said men. That refers to women too. All humanity. God wants all to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Does God want Joe Biden to be saved? Yes. Does God want Kamala Harris to be saved? Yes. Does God want Nancy Pelosi to be saved? Yes. Does God want, and you put a blank to be saved? Yes, he does. Regardless of what I feel. And it's not my decision. God said he wants all men to be saved. We need to be praying for the salvation of all people, kings and all who are in authority. It's not our decision who's saved. And it's not our decision who we're to pray for. God desires for us to pray for all. Why? How should we pray? Third on your list. How should we pray? Let's look at 1 Timothy 2 verse 8. Therefore I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. Holy hands. Lift up holy hands. Set apart. Hands that are consecrated to God. Hands that are without fault. You see, the, the moment we accepted Christ, whether we walked an aisle and we said a prayer with a preacher or we knelt beside our bed at home or we were at camp or we're driving down the road or we're in the hospital, regardless, when the moment we became a born-again believer, we were consecrated. And we're to take these consecrated hands, holy and set apart. Believe me, praying for all people, kings and all who are in authority, I have to be set apart for that. That is a calling from God for us to pray for all people. But he also says that we need to pray with our holy hands lifted up without wrath. Without a state of relatively strong displeasure, focusing on the emotional aspect. We're all kind of wise in our own way here. I want to just bear with me a minute. I want to give you two prayers. Put you in a seat to see which one you think would be pleasing. Oh God, you know them idiots up there in Washington, in our state. You know, Lord, your Bible tells us that that we need to pray, so Lord, I'm going to pray for them. Or would it be different to say, oh God, could you have mercy on their soul? Could you send someone in to their life to share the gospel and allow Holy Spirit to transform them? Which one do you think sounds a little better? The latter, maybe? It's without wrath. You know, we might could look at it the same way. Your child disobeys you. And they come and they look at you and they say, 
I'm sorry. Do you really think they're sorry? No. Mom or daddy in another room probably said you need to go in there and tell mommy you're sorry. Or if they come in and they said, Mom, I'm sorry. What I did was wrong. See, it's the intention of our prayer. We need to come without wrath. And without dissension, it says. You look that up, verbal exchange for that which takes place when conflicting ideas are expressed. You got to have your mind renewed if we're going to pray for all people. And when we go before God, we need to be praying for all people. Now let me tell you, does that mean that everything in our nation is going to turn out perfect? No. Does that mean that everyone that we pray for is going to accept Christ? I wish, but no. Because each and every person was created with a free will. And they have to make that decision. But it's not for me to decide who gets to make the decision and who doesn't. It's my job to pray and to pray. I pray for each and every one of you throughout the week. I pray that the Lord would bless you. That he would provide you with peace and he would provide for your needs. You know, we need to be praying for our nation as well. Because I want peace in the nation. And if there's not peace in the hearts of those leading the nation, there's not peace here. You know, Scripture also tells us that the heart of kings is controlled and led by the Lord. The Lord can use everyone that's in authority and kings. Regardless if they're a believer or not. And we need to be praying that God uses them in a mighty way. And we need to be before him. I mentioned to you earlier, and I'm going to just talk about this in closing. Does prayer really make a difference? If you're telling me that I need to pray for all people, and in my mind, and probably your mind, it's a hopeless situation. I'm glad it's not in God's mind. But does our prayer really make a difference? Let's look at a couple of more verses. James chapter 5. James chapter 5 verse 16. Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruits. Elijah prayed an effective, earnest prayer of a righteous man, and it didn't pray on the earth for three years and six months. We can look through scripture where people prayed to God. God was getting ready to destroy the Israelites, and Moses prayed to God. And God spared them. We can see other times where people prayed and it moved God. What's the verse that we began looking at when all of this COVID and everything started? That if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then God can heal the land. Do we want a healing? Do we want our land to be different? 
I do. So I encourage you, it's not easy. It's your pastor, I'm honest with you. It's like I told Ms. Patsy, I don't normally shoot you the bull. I don't try to cover something up. I'll be honest with you, it was very difficult for me this morning when I walked through those doors, knowing the message I was going to preach was not an easy one to preach, nor to hear. But I'm standing behind this pulpit today on the authority of God's word, and his word tells me that we need to pray for all people, for kings and all who are in authority, so that we can lead a tranquil and quiet life. And I hope that you understand as we've gone through this what we're to do, why we're to do it, and how we're to do it. And if we want to see America change, then we need to begin praying for all people. You know, it's not my choice what happens. My choice is to obey scripture or not and leave the consequences to God. I don't want to say that I don't think it's going to make any difference, so I'm not going to pray. I don't want to be one who says, you know, I don't really think that they need that. I'm not going to pray. Because when I go before the throne, I want to hear that well done, good and faithful servant. I want to believe what the Bible is telling me as Timothy was encouraged And you know, it's not too far from where we are today to when this letter was being wrote. It was being written to Timothy in a pagan culture with the government coming down on them, persecuting and killing Christians. And Paul said, pray for all people, for all kings and all who are in authority. Because if we can get things going in the right direction, it will directly trickle down and affect us. But even if it doesn't, I'm still going to worship the Lord. And I'm still going to do what he tells me to do. So as your pastor, as your friend, and based on the authority of God's word, I want to encourage you and charge you To begin praying for all people. Do not be selective. For all people. For kings and all who are in authority. And if it doesn't go well for you. Come back and tell me. Because I believe. I'm not saying everything's just going to change automatically. But for you and your life. You're going to be able to lead a tranquil and a quiet life. A life in peace and harmony with God. Because you know our prayers are hindered by sin. And sin is not always what we do, but sometimes what we don't do. And we're told right here to pray for all people. Let's change, first of all, our hearts and be submissive to God. And let's pray that God will change our world. Amen? May you bow your heads.